0: Feminine. Uh, This is Karen Tate, uh, your hostess, and I'm glad to be with you uh, tonight, Wednesday, uh, our usual night. Uh, If you've been tuning in, you know uh, I've had um, a lot of special shows in the last couple weeks, so if uh, you're only accustomed to um, uh, the shows on Wednesday, you might want to go back to the archives and uh, see what uh, uh, you might have missed Uh, very recently and also you can solve that problem uh, by hitting the follow button on the show page uh, which will um, send an email to your inbox uh, right before a show begins so uh, that way you'll have the link right there for your convenience and uh, you'll always know what's going on and you won't miss any of my great guests Uh, one of which uh, is uh, with me tonight uh, Isadora Forrest uh, author, devotee of Isis, Priestess and in the International Fellowship of Isis. She's also a hermetic adept. Uh, she's with me uh, to discuss her essay, Path of Sacred Magic, uh, from the new anthology that I've curated uh, very recently, uh, titled Awaken the Feminine. Uh, it's the third volume, in the Manifesting a New Normal Trilogy. Uh, Isadora will discuss uh, that goddess values the path of sacred magic, uh, what it offers, and uh, we're also going to deviate a little bit because uh, there's something uh, important and magical afoot. Uh, we're going to delve into why Hecate awareness and her devotion is on the rise. Um, Isadora answers why we need magic at this important time of change and transformation. Um, and We're going to get to that in just a moment, but for those of you who might not know her yet, uh, let me share uh, her short bio with you. Uh, She's the author of a number of books and articles on the Egyptian goddess Isis, including Isis Magic, Cultivating a Relationship with the Goddess of 10,000 Names, and also Offering to Isis, uh, knowing the goddess through her sacred symbols. She's written numerous other articles and essays on selected deities uh, in modern neo-pagan religious practice and on modern spiritual magic. She's a contributor to several of my anthologies, including the most recent one I've mentioned, Awaken the Feminine. She's a devotee of Isis, a priestess of the International Fellowship of Isis. As I've mentioned, a hermetic adept. Uh, she's a main for Dionysus and a Founder of the Hermetic Fellowship, a religious nonprofit devoted to education in the Western esoteric tradition, and her uh, website is uh, isiopolis dot com i s i o p o l i s dot com. So, Isadora, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine.
1: Hi, Karen. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, and. Well and thank you too for uh contributing uh to the the latest anthology. It's always uh, great to have your wisdom and insight. Um and um a- again, you know, the title of your piece was Path of Sacred Magic uh in the anthology. Um do you want to talk a, a little mm-hmm. bit about your
1: essay before we jump over to Hecate? Sure. Uh, It's called The Path of Sacred Magic and the Goddess, and it's about magic as a spiritual path, which is a true ancient path. Um, In ancient Egypt, all the deities are magicians, and magic is how they do what they do. So magic is a a primordial energy and kind of part of of everything. Um, Most prominent among them is the goddess Isis, of course. And uh, so the essay discusses what the ancient Egyptians meant by magic, how the goddess is connected with it, and what it can mean for us today as we cry out for a resacralization and a reenchantment of the world. It's a it's a new old way of looking at things.
0: Okay, and um, I wonder, you know, this might be a complicated question, or maybe not. Um, what do you think we get right or wrong today when we do magic versus um, when they did magic in the ancient world, um, do we have a distorted view of what magic really looks like? Um, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. What's what is magic? Hmm.
1: That is uh, a really good question, <laughs> and that's that's always the answer when you're going. Hmm, what uh, what can I what I can I say about that? I mean, it really depends on who you are and what you're doing, and and you know there are hundreds of magical traditions in the world and each of them has their own particular take on it Um, I am definitely mostly what I do is what I would call sacred magic spiritual magic and it's meant for spiritual growth but that said practical magic can be very useful and uh, certainly none of my goddesses are, are against a little push on the astral to get things done in the practical world as well. So, I mean, as far as what we get right and what we get wrong, it's really up to the individual practitioner what they're doing and what their intent is and what they want to get out of it. So, um, for someone who
0: uh, is afraid of magic, um, would, can you liken magic to prayer, you know, from one of the patriarchal religions?
1: You could, I think, some forms some forms of magic could be considered prayer-like. Um, usually, what people mean when they say they do magic is they have a little bit more of a, a ritual, physical aspect to it. There's there's something particular you would do with symbols or uh, elements from the earth intentionality there's usually a little bit more ritual to it but certainly i mean at at a certain level you get to a point where it's kind of like okay sit down meditate have intention but that takes practice right and in the right, early right. stages well, it's you know, really easier to try to work with things and ritual
0: Well, you know, one of the um, things that comes to mind actually is, you know, I was reading this article about this circle of Christian women who uh, one of the women's husband was having an affair, so they cooked up this little ritual that sounded an awful lot like a binding spell. Um you know they uh you know burned in a you know in a bowl uh you know the 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 mistress you know her picture and uh you know you know tried to you know bind the husband from you know doing any more uh in terms of you know his affair and um while you know that some people might not think that's ethical magic even, you know, that was what they, you know, I, I'm just retelling what they were doing, right. and uh, it, it found, sounded an awful lot like um, magic to me, but in their mind, they were just, you know, they were doing a prayer to Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds like magic to me. <laughs> I would definitely call that <laughs> magic. <laughs> um, so we'll call that and and, and I, magic. here I know I'm thr-
0: praying, yeah. Um, well, here I and, I, and this might be And feel free to say look You know I don't want to comment on that And I'll be perfectly fine with it Because I don't like my guests to be uncomfortable Uh, But I'm sure you've seen on Facebook And around the media About some of the work That's going on to thwart uh, The president Um, I wonder if you have any thoughts About that or if you think It's having any effect
1: Well It's certainly chaos Out there that's that's definitely one thing I can say. It is chaos out there. Well, there is such I don't a thing know. As chaos I didn't participate <laughs> in, you know, I didn't participate in any of the, you know, the large group events. Although, you know, I may have had a little binding in my own altar. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: well, you know, um let's hope when 2020 rolls around, you know, all of those binding spells kick up into high gear. Uh, you know to mm-hmm. keep this guy You know from the the White House again And you know maybe all of this stuff happening With Cohen and all of the people around him Being arrested um, Maybe it is working you know I guess it all depends On what the focus of their magic was Because I'll tell you a funny thing And um, you know I should probably be ashamed To admit this but way back In the 2016 election Way back like it's you know uh, Seems like it's forever ago uh, Some friends of mine uh, And I were doing some uh ritual to help Bernie. And you know what we realized afterwards we forgot to put in the ritual? It was so obvious we forgot it. We forgot to actually put in the ritual that he would win the election, you huh. know. And um, it, it, uh, it reminds me of a friend who uh, was doing magic for um, a, a partner and, you know, he did magic the first time and he forgot to say that one of the elements he wanted was, a you know, a compatible partner um, sexually. And he ended up with all of these great platonic relationships with women. And he had to kind of go back to the drawing board the second time and say, okay, but I also want one that we can enjoy having sex, too. <laughs> you know, um, so, And anyway, it's just the things we forget sometimes to... Um, uh, you know, maybe add in the magic or in the ritual.
1: Mhm. Yep. And I usually tend to be just a a hair vague to allow I mean, this is this is something that it, it moves like a wave. It's not it's not a laser. <laughs> it's it's something that you kind of give impetus to and it's gonna take a little bit of its own form. So Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I think you can't have a, a real
0: specific clear vision. You have to let the universe kind of work its own way and how work it ends as it's up going to work. I <laughs> guess that's what you're Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that is what yeah, we're still a lot of time, you know, playing out. Yeah, well, okay, so, um, and again, thank you for contributing that uh, important essay to the anthology um, I, I think it was important to say, um, and it's something I think that's forgotten And, you know, I didn't realize till you just uh, said it I guess I forgot when I read your essay that it was actually an actual sacred path um, You know, I, I didn't honestly know that
1: yeah, and, and actually I so, will, we can uh, talk about that a little bit later on, too, because there's, there is a, an actual ancient path called theurgy, which is working a lot in my life right now and is, is kind of part of this whole Hecate thing, which we can talk about in a sec. Yeah, yeah, that's where I
0: was going to go next Um, You know, I I know most people know you for your um, devotion to Isis I mean, you know, you're Isadora after all Uh, But um, we're going to talk about Hikate tonight And um, uh, tell us why you felt that was important to deviate a bit And why you think she's making herself known right now
1: yeah, it's I've really been struck by by how much she is making herself known. It's kind of it's kind of like um, there are so many more blogs that are talking about her now. And just here's an example from my own community is um, our Hermetic Society, which you mentioned in the in the opening, had done a couple of years ago. We did a, a theurgical work which i'll have to define that later but that but it is basically the path of sacred magic it's working with the divine for personal spiritual growth and elevation so anyway <laughs> the, a couple years ago we had done uh, a working that was theurgical and oracular with Hecate and apollon and so we decided oh yeah we'd like to do that again and so we put that out in the community. We've never had so many people show up at Hermetic Society. I've got priestesses falling left and right in love with Hekate. Um, Another big festival that was supposed to come to the area in summer is now going to be themed with Hakate with and nobody knew this. And every, like everywhere I look right now, people are like coming to her. And I think she is rising. And there are there are some very important reasons why she's why she's rising. But I think we need to talk kind of a little bit more about her to know, you know maybe okay. what some of those things are.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know she's she's got three faces. Some people think she's a scary goddess. Some people think of her as a goddess at the crossroads, which I suspect might be where you're going, but I'm not going to put words <laughs> it in your mouth. Could um, it could be. It could be. Uh, so, so, so tell folks about Hecate uh, because some of my listeners might be new to her.
1: Well, we most we mostly know her as as a Greek goddess, and she's usually depicted carrying one or two torches, and in later periods, uh, we find her in a triple form. So you'll sometimes see um, a pillar in the center, and then three female figures around the outside of that pillar, and they'll usually have a torch, perhaps a dagger, perhaps a whip, perhaps a key, all symbols that, that she uses. Um, she can be associated with animals. So sometimes she'll be shown with a single body but with several animal heads. And some of the animals that she's associated with are dogs, bulls, uh, snakes, horses, lions. I think I saw owls, too. But those are, those are some very prominent ones. And certainly, she is associated with magic. Like I said, uh, usually of a little darker shade than than that that is usually associated with Isis. Uh, she also has underworld connections, uh, the dead, but particularly the restless dead and ghosts came to be associated with her. Oh, and uh, one of the one of the animals that I forgot to mention is the lion and the lioness, particularly, and that is kind hmm. of another interesting aspect of her, because um, rather than this kind of ghostly, scary goddess, those lions point in another direction. Almost all scholars think that she came into Greece from somewhere else, and the current, there are many theories about where exactly, but currently it sounds like most people are thinking that she came from Asia Minor, and Asia Minor is the home of the great mother goddess drawn in the lion chariot who has lions and lionesses as her companions. So like, uh, you know, the Artemis of Ephesus with the multi breasts mm-hmm. and all that, there is, there's actually a Hecate statue that looks very much like that. And we see Hecate well, and yeah. Artemis together a lot.
0: Well, and, and I'm thinking Cabelli, Cabelli on her throne with the two lions, because mm-hmm. Cabelli is yes. from that Asia Minor area too. Um, and if you go to Ephesus, um, there's a Hecate um, uh, altar right there at the, um, you know, you know, right there, you know, smack there in the middle of the city. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and and right at right at the, uh, what do you call it, the library too um a- anyway i am digressing a little bit but
1: i oh, but have tell you one have been to her thing. temple
0: in uh, Legina? Legina? i don't know how to pronounce that, it that's what i was just about that's what i was just about to say actually um that's one of her only known um, standing temples It was the last i heard and an interesting yes. thing every other sacred site we went to We were just overrun by cats and kittens. When we got out of the bus (laughs) at Lagina or Lagina, however you say it, um, Wood comes bounding up to us with a big black dog. And we thought, (laughs) she's here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you.
1: Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. (laughs) Uh, So, anyway, I think the the interesting thing that and this is, you know, this is me not as a priestess of Pakate. This is me as a priestess of Isis uh talking about another magic goddess. Is there's kind of a tangential relationship and certainly you know we we have um let's see there is a there's a place called Oxyrhynchus in Egypt and it was the site where they found an con- incredible hoard of uh, trash, <laughs> and it was things that people had thrown out, but it was everything from, like, tax records to copies of plays to hymns to all kinds of things. And because of the climate at Oxyrhynchus, they didn't get rain, and the water table was not too high, and so all these papyri got preserved. And in one of them, uh, 1380, as a matter of fact, <laughs> there is this wonderful hymn to Isis. And what it does is it goes first through towns in Egypt and gives all her names in all these towns of Egypt. And then it spreads out into the broader Mediterranean world, giving her names in all these different places. And when they get to Caria, which is where Legina is, and in Turkey, I want to say Legina, vagina. <laughs> It's goddess land, <laughs> but anyway, when they get there, they say in Caria, her name is Hecate, and uh, also, in Apuleius' um account of initiation into the mysteries of Isis, he gives as one of her names is Hecate, so they are connected, yeah, and I, I believe it's that yeah. you know the main connection is that is the magic is they're both magic goddesses, right. Right
0: Well and, and I wonder too Do you think there's any With the lion thing Do you think there's any chance There's a, a Sekhmet connection Especially hmm. you know If if she's a little bit more ferocious And a little edgy
1: You know Yeah I don't know I don't know uh, Some I know some people have tried to connect her Just because of her name with Heket The frog goddess of, of Egypt Yeah I'm not how, sure how much I really buy that, but, you know, I know a couple mm-hmm. of uh, powerful Hecate priestesses who were fairly convinced of it, so who knows. Okay. So so what do you think are the misunderstandings about her? Well, one of the interesting things that seems to have happened with her is that in different periods of history, she appeared quite different. So in the oldest materials that we have, for instance, in one of the oldest surviving works of Greek literature, which is Hesiod's Theogony, uh, Hecate is much more like this great goddess from Asia Minor. She is, um, let's see, family history. She is a titan because she's a child of the titans, Asteria and Perseus. And the Olympians were having a war with the titans, However, even the Olympians won, of course they would. It's their story that the uh, that we hear about. Nevertheless, Zeus was so impressed with Hecate that he never he never uh, vanquished her in any way. In fact, he gave her power in sky, earth, and sea. And if you look at the hmm. the uh Theogony, she is invoked by humans at every sacrifice she's honored by all the deities she's the nurturer of all young beings i think she is a patroness of fishermen and horsemen as well which is where some of their connections come from so here she is a great goddess clearly and then the other oldest thing that we have where she appears is the homeric hymn to demeter and that's the one that a lot of people are much more familiar with, is, you know, Kore is down in the underworld, and Hakate is one of the ones that helps lead her up with her torches. And uh, let's see, Hakate is also the one who kind of heard the cries of Kore as she was being abducted, and she went to Demeter and said, Hey, I heard Basically, there's a problem here. We better go find out what's going on. And mm-hmm. they said that she heard her cries from her cave, So here we kind of start to get some of that underworld feeling with her. She has torches. She has Mm -hmm. a cave. And because they go to uh, Helios, the sun god, to kind of, because he's up there in the sky, he saw what happened, hopefully. We see her maybe reflected as a moon goddess. So we start to see some of those darker aspects of her. But still, she's entirely positive and, and doesn't have any of these scary connotations that she later gets. And then in kind of the um, Hellenistic period from like the, I believe it's like 5th century BCE, this is when we start seeing kind of the, the uh, darker aspects get put onto Hecate, where she's, she's kind of the witchy Hecate. I brought something somewhere. I have papers everywhere, my dear, because I cannot do these things without paper. But I wanted to read you just a <laughs> little I, tiny bit. Here I thought, hmm? here I thought just, you had this all committed to memory.: <laughs> Oh no, 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 no <laughs> uh, So I wanted to read you just something from one of the um, magical papyri that is it's actually okay. an erotic spell. And it is it, in, it calls on all these dark goddesses. And it's one of those things like, make my lover do what I want him to do or else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here right. is here's just a little bit of that. Come, Hakate, goddess of the three ways, who with your fire-breathing phantoms have been allotted dreaded roads and harsh enchantments. Hecate, I call you with those who untimely passed away, and with those heroes who have died without a wife and children, hissing wildly, yearning in their hearts. There's something about that hissing wildly, yearning in their hearts, which just gets me. Somehow that communicates the pain of those spirits to me.
0: Okay. Which but means? you can see that you know Which,
1: she's a little scary there
0: yeah 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 it's getting a little
1: intense mhm so you find her you find her in those kinds of compulsive spells and then the other place that we find this scary hakatē is in literature in fiction boys and girls this is like from the Greek playwrights where we have stories of Medea doing all these scary witchy things. And, of course, Akate is her goddess. And then we have yeah. the Roman poets who are super not comfortable with magic at all. And they are always portraying, you know, all these hags out in the graveyard doing evil magic things. <laughs> yeah. And it's Men
0: from afraid of women's power.
1: <laughs> Yep. Yes. But of course, you know, they have to be ugly crones when they're doing magic. Although Hecate is yeah. mostly always portrayed as a beautiful maiden, just saying. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. But it's from those guys, those that's where that idea of Hecate came into like more modern western literature, Shakespeare, for instance. And that's where we get the boil boil toil and trouble witches. And they call on Hecate, mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's mm-hmm. how her mm-hmm. image of kind of ugh, scary came down into our culture.
0: Right, but I don't right. think
1: she's like that.
0: Well, well, you know, I never did either, quite frankly, um, and I sort of t- uh, you know and, and i 'm not an expert on Hikate. Let me just say that i 'm talking from impression and what i 've read and mm-hmm. um, you know i just I, I just chalk that up to what i do uh, the you know the only story that 's written about Sekhmet. it kind of this idea of it was a patriarchal distortion. Um, you know, uh, patriarchy men afraid of women's power, so, you know, it's just like they um, marginalize and demonize the witch, made her have a green face and a wart, and she's ugly, and... Um, right. You know, because you demonize the things you want, you know, you're afraid of,
1: you know, yes. and,
0: and you... Um, so, I don't know, that that was always my take on it, kind of, you know. Um, I, I, I don't think she ever really scared me, but... Um, I can see where she would, uh, because of that reputation she got, like from Shakespeare and everything.
1: Yeah, and I and there's one more aspect to her aspect, time period, that is really really important, I think, and that is when she becomes basically the goddess of the Chaldean oracles, and like this is a whole talk on itself, is <laughs> it's the Chaldean oracles. But that kind of ties back To the theurgical work that I was talking about That we are doing Okay um, let's, let's see, the Chaldean oracles are Received uh, Divine Inspiration We think from a father-son Pair Who are known as like the, the two Julians There's Julian the theurgist Who is the son and Julian the father Who is probably the invoker And they received these texts that are they're inspired oracular texts and they became so important especially to like the neoplatonic philosophers in late antique period and we have we have nothing left from them except quotes from these neoplatonic philosophers and people who have studied them and so they've collected all these different quotes into bits and pieces but it seems like there were probably two deities that were involved in this uh, material, in this inspired material, one of which is Acate, And she is one of the few named deities in the oracles that we have left. And there she is a savior. She is the world soul. She is the mediator between the highest divine and the earth. She is extremely powerful and fiery. She is, she is described as the voice of fire, and and the Chaldean oracles work with fire as a metaphor quite a bit for uh, like spiritual energy and spiritual power. And they are one of the most beautiful expressions is the flower of fire, which is in the human mm-hmm. mind. That can connect with the divine through the flower of fire. It's like, wow. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, and, and, when you, and she when you is the power- Well, and,
0: and some of that um, hints at Isis, too, I think, you know, like the Savior aspect and oh, yes. um, all powerful. You know, not the fire so much, you know, but um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, just.
1: Yeah, but when you get the, when you to you that level it. of great goddess. You really, you're really, you really starting to, to Their powers start to reach Everywhere
0: Yeah Let's So now see. how does she End up goddess of the crossroads
1: Well That As I think it's the liminality Is that she's always Well there are a couple of aspects to her That maybe can bear on some of this is she has, a, she is the Propalaya, and that means like before the gates. So you would always find her images uh, just before the gates of a temple. Uh, they people put her image before their houses because anytime, just as you if you think about it, if you go out of your house, you're going to come to a road, and there you are at a crossroads. And so they put her protective image there. And mm-hmm. let's see, I, I forget, I think it's like 4th century BCE, they think the first fellow who made her triple, <laughs> I don't remember the name, Alcomenes, I think, something like that. Anyway, they credit him with being the first one to have carved her in this triple fashion where I was talking about like around a pillar and you've got three three figures. And he uh-huh. and he put her image right before a temple, and looking in the three ways, so she's at the crossroads, protecting in each of those areas. Because okay. okay, and anytime you're on the road, especially between cities in the old days, the roads were dangerous. Uh, highwaymen and all that sort of thing you could you could be set upon and so you wanted you wanted divine protection and since she is the one who is set at the crossroads to watch over and maybe even light the way you wanted her protection
0: right right
1: but, yeah i mean you i mean because
0: you think about those times you had you know all of these highway um, you know, uh, rob robberies and uh, thieves on the road and stuff. It's, it wasn't like just you know driving down the road today. I mean, you probably took your life in your hands to a certain extent when you uh, you know traveled the roads in ancient times.
1: Right. Well, I I still do watch a <laughs> I still have a, a oracle of the road for myself. Is um, at one at one point. A group of us here in Portland, it will get back to it's, this. Will get back to the <laughs> to what we're talking about. But at one point, a group of us here in Portland were working uh, our version of the Delphic Oracle, and I was one of the Pythia for Apollo, and one of his birds is a crow. So, and there are lots of crows in Portland, <laughs> believe me. But right now, for instance, there are like gabillions of crows. There's some kind of a crow thing that happens in the winters in Portland but anyway the omen that I get is if a crow flies in front of my car while I'm driving and I notice it yeah low and I notice it then I am very careful from then on because I feel like this crow is saying be careful on the road (laughs) yeah 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 yeah.
0: you know, you remind me when we were in Ireland and we were traveling the, uh, you know, the little country rural roads and uh, it was really difficult to find your way because uh, signs were few and far between. We were actually trying to find Chronicle Castle at one point, you know, Lady Olivia oh. and all of that and um, it, it was it, it was kind of funny because... When we remembered in the morning to say a prayer to Anubis um, and ask him to bless our travels and help us find our way, we always managed well. When we forgot and skipped that step, man, it was (laughs) not it was not a happy day. (laughs) (laughs) You need a guide, but I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so okay um so we so we're back to Hikate at the crossroads um it was my intuition right uh, you know at the beginning when we when we mentioned we were going to talk to about her is does that have something to do with why she might be on the rise now or um is my intuition off
1: no i i think you're right on I, and and i am just i'm just amazed i haven't been paying attention but now that you know my Hecate sense is working. I'm just seeing her everywhere, and I think it is because we are at a crossroads, and we need we need her to guide us. Uh, one of her other um, titles is Phosphoros, and it's light bringer, light bearer, and we need those torches of hers to show us the way, because we are definitely at a crossroads right now. Well,
0: you know, we're, we're kind of in uncharted um, territory, I think, you know, I mean, part of what the anthology, you know, Awaken the Feminine, uh, you know, the synopsis talks about the fact that we know um, how things are right now isn't working for the most of us, we know we have to move forward, we know we need a new path, but we're like in uncharted territory to a certain extent, you know, and, um, I, and that can be a little scary. Uh, you know you you need uh role models uh to light the way you know you need people who can step up in leadership and lead people with good ideas and um you know gain the confidence of people and um i don't know it uh, speak to that a little bit i mean is 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 that kind of what you're talking about
1: well i've i was just reading i was just reading um a blog of of a Hakate priestess on on a couple on a couple of different levels and one of the things that impressed me the most that she said was that Hakate doesn't push you down your path. She will help you, she will light your way, but she she doesn't push you there. And I think that means we need to take the reins ourselves. And figure out Mm -hmm. how to do this. And where the magic comes in with all this is, like I said, it's, I mean, magic is not a gumball vending machine. You don't put in your dime and get your result you want. It's, It's more like surfing. It's more like a wave that you can turn the energies in the right direction. But there's no guarantees. But... Right now, because we are at that crossroads time, that is when magic is most potent. When things can change, that is when that little push uh, on the astral, on the energy level, can make a big difference. Uh, I'll give you an example here from the West Coast. <laughs> As you you've probably noticed this since you're you're here too. Is weather magic works really well on the west coast because this is where the weather comes from it kind of it comes our way heading from from west to east so we have an opportunity here to change things because we're in such a changeable state and i think that is the state we're in kind of generally in the world right now we're at that changeable state so that's where you know magic is not the be-all and the end-all because there must be human action or nothing will happen, but it can support our actions. Okay. Well, damn, I mean, if I had thought about
0: that or we had spoken a week ago, maybe I could have stopped that foot of snow from piling up on the back of my deck. (laughs) (laughs) What? You don't like that foot of snow? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> not this beach girl. Uh, adjusting to the snow has been quite a challenge, but I'm I'm starting to acclimate into it. You know, it's kind of making me slow down and breathe, and um, giving me a chance to do things I was always too distracted to do before. So I'm starting to look at it as a gift. <laughs> and it's and it's
1: and it but, is beautiful, except for you know that killer killer cold that everybody in the middle of the country has been getting is like oh my goodness
0: <laughs> true true i mean you know i'm whining about um you know 25 or 30 degrees and some of these other poor people are below below uh 0 you know so yeah. you know i am i'm definitely whining about nothing uh, in <laughs> comparison um but yeah we're but we're west Dora, coast girls so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't help it, you know? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I could live in that that frozen tundra that some of these people endure for months, but um, so is there some particular kind of magic we should be doing right now?
1: Well, the I think the In in the traditions that uh, I have been taught in, and I think this is a very good idea, is the first step in any magical act is to align yourself with the divine. And what that keeps you from doing is stupid stuff. (laughs) It makes sure that your intentions are right and pure, and if we take it to the Egyptian, is that your intentions are ma'at that they're they are they're right and true. So that's the first step. Mm-hmm. We're wise and humble mm-hmm. and respectful and connected. And then um, I think binding magic is very useful at this time. Keep, you know, do no harm. Uh, blessing magic to empower positive change. Um, I think some wake the F up magic would be very good as well, because there are plenty of people who are not mm-hmm. awake about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're seeing such a rise of kind of the, quote, witchy aesthetic right now, <laughs> and people are finding that the witch archetype is working for them. They like they like the look of it, they like the feel of it, and I'm hoping that eventually they will come to the truth of it, the core of it and then they are there are our magic workers, but not everybody yeah you know, not everybody is drawn to that kind of magic, in which case, like you mentioned at the beginning of the talk, is visualization, prayers that's all positive for getting that ground that well ground swell and wave don't really work <laughs> as metaphors, but that ocean swell of a wave that will help us carry this intention to a, to a better conclusion. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Well, I, I, that's, those uh, sound like, um, wise words of advice, uh, surely. And, um, you know, I don't think many people could object to um, you know, that guidance, certainly.
1: Yep, and any anything we do magically, you know, has to be backed up on the physical because we are physical beings and that has to happen too. Magic supports us well, but and, it's not and... the only way. <laughs>
0: Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's like the idea of somebody, you know, I always like to use the analogy, you know, you need a job, well, you just can't do a spell. You know, you have to exactly. send out the resumes and beat the pavement and everything else. Um, um, so um, anything anything else you want to say about Hecate uh, or the path of sacred magic or um, what do you think, you know, what
1: else do you think might be useful? Hmm. Well, I, as far as Hecate I I'm really interested at how much she's she's rising now and and I think it really it has to smack us upside the head. Um something something that uh, another priestess that I was just reading mentioned and I will give her a shout out because she should <laughs> shouted out to is uh, jade hall i was just reading her essay and she was saying that um Hekate is a protectress of personal sovereignty and so in this time of the me too movement she's she's seeing a lot of women being drawn to Hecate. so i found that interesting as well and it's not and it's not just women is i there are a couple of male friends of mine that are like in love with the god there right now, <laughs> so she's really <laughs> making herself known
0: so for somebody um isadora for somebody who maybe is um impressed with this interview and like what they uh, what you've said here uh but they don't know a whole lot about her, where would you recommend they start to learn about her um you know to see if maybe uh, she could be their patroness goddess, you know, if they are in alignment with her.
1: Well, let's see. Uh, for online resources, uh, you can go to patheos.com. and um, Cindy Branigan, I believe is her name. Hang on, let me let me get that up here. And in fact, some of the some of the folks. Yes, uh, Cindy Brannon. Cindy Brannon. I'm pretty sure she's going to be writing a book, or has already, <laughs> because she is. She is definitely a Hecate priestess, and she's doing some good work on Pithos. A um, couple of couple of women I know are taking a class with her, as a matter of fact. So that's a good place to start um, if you are. Yeah, uh, her name is uh, C Y N D I and then Brannon, B-R-A-N-N-E-N. And then if you are of a scholarly bent, I can highly recommend Hecate Soterra by Sarah Isles Johnston. And that's okay. pretty readily available. Okay. Um, so, and if you're not so on academia.edu, get on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, it's, good stuff It's there. wonderful. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh they definitely they have a free <laughs> and version and you can find all kinds of scholarly stuff on uh everything.
0: Okay. And um you know, switching over to ISIS a little bit, I mean, you know, that's kinda of your your core your core goddess, um uh, would the advice be any different uh, for someone who's more ISIS oriented? You know, would I mean we know her as the you know the Lady of of Magic as well. I mean, all powerful uh, magician she is. Uh, would you make the same recommendations in terms of the kind of magic um, we should be looking to do if you work more with her?
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would think I would think so. Definitely is. Uh... She, I'm in fact I'm doing an I'm doing an intensive with her right now myself, is uh, 42 days every day,
0: <laughs> yay!
1: So right after this interview, I will probably be going in to, to talk with her. As a matter of fact, but um, yes, the the work with her, I think on the magical level would probably be the same. I want to say that there is an encompassing quality with her wings that feels quite a lot more protective so there might be some more protective magic that would could be worked with her okay okay
0: Um, Well, this is all good stuff. Um, I appreciate that. And you were going to say something about the um, um, theurgy? Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I will tell you some theurgy stories. Um, I mentioned that last, a couple years ago, well, more than a couple years ago, it's been quite a while as the older I get, The shorter the years get So this has probably been quite a while ago Now the last time we did this ritual And what we do uh, For Hermetic Society Is it's a once a month meeting And so what we've been doing Is kind of doing um, Talks about Hecate Talks about Theurgy itself Talks about Apollon So um, Theurgy is a late antique um, So we're talking like 2nd century CE onward, uh, Neoplatonic uh, philosophy is associated with it quite a bit. But it, it means literally divine working or God working. And the idea was the elevation of the human soul to be connected with the divine, which is kind of across, you know, across cultures we find that all the time we we have an intuition that there is more in us that's divine and we need to discover what it is and so we we find these ways of connecting with the divine and this is one of them it happens to be a ritual method which appeals to me because i am a ritualist uh, in my heart of hearts and um one of the One of the key things that uh, theurgists did was get oracles from the divine. So we created a ritual um, where we actually worked Apollon and Hecate in the same temple at the same time, um, and then each group of people got different oracles from from the deities. And uh, the Hecate one last time was so powerful as... Oh, I have to explain what a yinx is. <laughs> a yinx is. It's a it's a spinning wheel. You maybe heard of, like, the the top, the wheel of a cate or the top of a cate. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things that that could be. But one of them is kind of like, did you ever play with or see the old toy that was a big button, and you'd string a, a string through the middle of it, and then you'd spin it? And it would kind of twirl around and around as the, as the uh, twine went in and out. Well, this was a magical tool of that period called a yinx. And it makes a whirring sound as you spin it. And it was used very often as a, uh, a love magic tool because this whirring sound would attract the beloved. But in this case, the theorist used it as a way to communicate with the divine, sort of like you would with the lovers, wanting to attract the divine with this particular um, tool. So okay. <laughs> long explanation to get to this one thing is we had people spinning these tops as we were invoking Hecate last time we did this. And just as she came in into the person who was embodying the goddess, one of them split,
2: <clears throat>
1: made a giant pop, in, and it, of course, split into three pieces. And then there we had a little stone that was part of the ritual tool, too, and it also split in three p- pieces with a giant pop, and we found that at the very center of that broken stone was a little spiral shell. So it just seemed like all the omens had come together. <laughs> Wow, interesting. That's that's uh,
0: that was pretty incredible. You know, nothing better than having your magic validated. Huh? Mm,
1: yes. So we're we're hoping to uh, not do that exact thing again because you never know what's going to happen. But hopefully, we will have right, that right. powerful connection with the divine again.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Well. Um, was there anything
0: else uh, you wanted to share with listeners about Isis, hecate, the uh, path of uh, sacred magic? It's been really interesting.
2: Hmm.
1: The path of sacred magic is definitely not for not for everybody, but if it's for you you will you'll hear that call. and you will I don't know it's it's just one of those things that you know. There's a tingling, a, a chill. A, you're not afraid of the magic. I've, I've found people who love the idea of magic, and they love the idea of connecting with a particular god or goddess. But when it comes to actually feeling it, like if they, if they, felt the, if they saw the stone explode or they felt the thrill of magic that goes through the gut, they get scared. But if you don't get scared, yeah. then that may be the path for you.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, you, I, I lost my train of thought listening to you say that, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, me too. Um <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask you: um, any new projects on the horizon? Any books, talks, workshops? You going to be appearing any place, or uh, what's oh, up with you these days? See.
1: Well, I've started um, reposting some of some of my old posts back on Isiopolis. I let let it kind of go for a while, but I've found that uh, just the nature of blogs, a lot of people haven't seen all the old stuff, so I've started to kind of repost. Some of some of that updated and renewed, so that's uh, that's happening like once a week, so if you want to follow Isiopolis and see what's up there, uh just finished a class this past summer with some wonderful ritualists, and now they're you know there are more Issyaks loose in the world, <laughs> which is always wonderful <laughs> yeah yeah um, do have uh, I am working on. Doing kind of some Egyptian theurgy work, so hence, hence both of those things are in my consciousness, and uh, that's one of the one of the things that I'm doing with Isis right now is is learning from her what that should be about. Okay, and we'll
0: see. All right. All right. Well, um this all sounds good. Um I uh I want to thank you again for being a contributor to Awaken the Feminine and um uh it's always a pleasure to uh have you share your wisdom on the show. Um I always learn so much from you and tonight was uh was no exception. So, um thank you so much for being out there. Um you know, being committed to this. I mean, this has been your lifelong uh, passion, you know this has not just been some flash in the pan for you, and um, I mean, you know everybody can't say that you know but, but you you're one of the truly dedicated
1: yep i think I think she will be with me forever. And I and I with her and and my much more wise husband has just passed me a little note here and and uh, reminded me that if anybody would like a copy of Isis Magic, we still do have them at com. So, did they
2: have
0: a
1: lot of print? Is that, um, is that what the problem is? Oh no, there's there's there nope, they're fully in print, and what is available now is the. Uh, second edition, revised and updated. It has more stuff in it than the original even. And okay. I'm much happier with it than I was with the first one. Okay, so, well, may That's, that's all good spell thing. Spell Agnes House. <laughs> oh, absolutely. because it's a little Go right ahead, it's a little think hard you have to. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's A B I E G N U S House. Abbey Agnes House okay and, what, and otherwise what you represent? can find a link on my blog which is probably easier <laughs> okay. okay and and does that uh, that word represent something uh yes it is the rosicrucian mountain of initiation <laughs> okay which we can right. see well, from, our, I, I, from our house here we we've cra- we've uh renamed mount hood which we can see in portland as uh Oppie Ignis. and also
0: there you go. This, uh,
1: where the main ads run, and any other sacred mountain, we've we've renamed it. <laughs> as,
0: as you should. <laughs> as you should.
1: All right. Yes, we're well, all crazy um, Isadora, thank-
0: No, no, no. I, I think you know you're. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think I would rather think of it in terms of you're just making it more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> making it more magical. There you go. Definitely. Well, thank you, Isadora. Uh thank you so much and I'm sure we will be in touch. And uh just to remind folks of your uh website uh, isiopolis.com i s i o p o l i s. Uh thank you again so much and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. Good to talk to you, Karen.
0: Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. Um, and before I let you go, uh, I have a word here from Joe Carson, So please, stay with me. Okay. Most people see
1: humankind as really
0: separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock as you. And I came out of it. This is, this is my mother planet. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you've been listening to a real short trailer from um, Dancing uh, with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. Uh, in the interview, uh, in it she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of Goddess of Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see them yourself but haven't, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20 at dancing with gaia.com um, also want to remind you that the goddess spirit rising conference uh, in simi valley california this uh, september is uh, right there on the horizon uh, if you want to find out more about that and i think they are still accepting uh proposals uh just go to goddess spirit rising.com um, I want to let you know that we will have some more of the contributors to uh, the new anthology, Awaken the Feminine, uh, on the show in March. Uh, On the 6th, we'll have Donna Hennis with us. Uh, On the 14th, Lauren Tyne. And on the 27th, Deanna Lamb. Uh, And in between, we'll have some other folks, too. So um, if you are interested in uh, Awaken the Feminine, you can always get it from Amazon. Or if you'd like a signed copy at a discount price, uh, get in touch with me at uh, KarenTate108 at yahoo.com. I will sign it for you and mail it out. Well, uh, that about does it for me tonight, Uh, dear listeners I want to give a shout out to Diva Haley uh, For her music that opened the show um, That particular cut of Ancient Mother uh, She calls uh, Narayani And a very beautiful piece Um, Highly recommend Diva's Diva's music If uh, you're looking to expand your library of music and uh, that about does it uh for me tonight uh please stay warm wherever you are uh please uh think about everything Isadora said tonight um you know it you know calls to mind um you know uh, how we're being called it uh, calls to mind um how we walk in the world um if we do magic how we do magic uh why we do it that way um important stuff really and um Certainly uh, serious subjects to think about. Well, uh, as I go tonight, uh, I will let you hear a little bit more of uh, Diva's cut, uh, that Narayana, because it is uh, such a beautiful uh, version of Ancient Mother. Uh, We'll just close out the show uh, with that music. So, uh thank you for your listener loyalty uh all these years, especially if you are um an oldie with me. Uh but uh you know, I'm also um very appreciative of all the new people that are constantly uh here uh at the show. Let me you know coming here to the show. Let me hear from you. Uh I'm always open to show ideas and guests. And uh, you are the gas in my tank, so as long as um, you tell me this is serving a purpose for you, um, I will continue to be here providing a platform for people like uh, Isadora and all the other folks that uh, have been on the show over the years to give them a platform uh, for their, their wisdom um, so uh, I will be here as long as you need me uh, Thank you very much And uh, enjoy listening to Diva Haley's uh, Narayani